Please listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm Matt Weinhold, and I think the show makes a lot more sense than Prometheus. We will begin in mass space. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. Overrun the entire world. We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's Talkcast 166 here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Our second count it second apple themed episode that has nothing to do with computers <laughs> deep in area 51 at the sub level 451 book burning and fried green tomato body wrap pavilion i am the dome joining the talk cast tonight are some of the usual suspects in the revered time vortex sitting in front of the soundboard Leaving the stacks of her personal silent zone in the dang dungeon reading room. Uh, not so cool, not so calm, not so collected, but pressing buttons indiscriminately just for the hell of it. It's Zombrarian. I don't like it, it he out here. It's loud and it's bright and it's scary and I want to go back. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, it is a Marilyn Manson sound-alike? No, it's uh, a Lauren Bacall sound-alike. That's what it was. It's the dead redhead. This is CNN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could be Darth of... Vader tonight. You, you could be Dorothy Vader, Darth's Dorothy Vader. sister. Darth, Darth, Darth's younger sister. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're good with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody else isn't here. <laughs> for various and sundry reasons. We miss you all. Get better soon, uh, and those of us who are here. And and our guest tonight is, as I said, the second uh, Apple-themed show uh, is in honor of our good, good, good friend, Christy Peterson-Schoonover. Hi, Christy. Hello. Wine in my hand, word document open, and wispy beings at my window. Ah, there we go. The way it should be, the way it must be in your world. <laughs> we love prepared guests. Absolutely. <laughs> prepared drunken guests? Even better. <laughs> Not yet. I just opened the wine. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got a half an hour to really work on it. There you go. <laughs> so anyhow, we're going to talk about Christie's new book. Uh, 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 bad apple. Because, yeah, well, I think we are. It's so exciting. I hope we are. Because, uh, <laughs> a couple of us really freaking liked it, didn't we? We did. We, we loved it. And, and as I said, the second apple themed book oriented podcast we've done. And Christy didn't even beat us to make us say it. I know it. That's I mean, true. normally she would. But she didn't this need time, to. She didn't need to, right. It's a scarier than shit book, I'll take yeah. that right now. It's a freaky, odd little tome, and, and we're going to talk more about it as time goes on. Christy, you you drink for a little bit, love, and we'll get oh, back to you. Oh, yes. I, I'm totally sitting here waiting to be entertained. 
Perfect. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, I can't be there in person to do my uh, my uh, Mad Libs. But in lieu of that, uh, what's been going on this week? Good, bad, indifferent, weird, or socially inactive in the world of science fiction? Uh, Zombrarian, we're going to start with you? Yes. Um, this one is actually a bad that has led to some good. Um, Jay Lake is a sci-fi author. Um, he's written, I think, it's a, I haven't ever read any of his stuff and I feel bad now. He's written 10 novels and over 300 short stories. Wow. And he, um, has a recurrence of cancer. Um, and there it's not going well apparently uh -huh. um, so several other authors including uh, Sherry Priest who is the author of the Clockwork Century series right. which I absolutely love uh -huh. um, and Neil Gaiman uh, everyone on the we show's favorite know. author because, yes. because Kriana's not here <laughs> <laughs> they're doing uh, what are called Acts of Whimsy, Acts, A-C-T-S, because I know I don't speak that well, um, <laughs> on the internet. Acts is a hard word for me. Okay. Um, and th Simpsons. it's things like Neil Gaiman did a cover of a Magnetic Field song on the ukulele, Sherry Priest did a steampunk fashion show, and it's all fundraising for uh, in, a treatment for Jay. So, Very nice. uh, we will have a link up. Um, there's also a documentary about him that is searching for crowdfunding. So, we're going to have two links in the post. We're going to have one well, to like where to, you can... Oh, what, what? I'd like to actually have three links there. Three links? I also want to have the link to Jake's website. Yes. Because uh, that's where all the information is currently being updated uh, about his... Uh, his work and his health and all of that. Uh, so we'll have the, the the Kickstarter link, the Whimsy link, and, and uh, Jay's personal website as well. Indeed. And you know what? Check it out, guys. You know, uh, in in these, I'm going to pontificate for just a second. Uh oh. No, it's fine. Okay. Have that glass of wine now. <laughs> Time to drink, kids. Dome's gonna pontificate. <laughs> Give a hoot, don't pollute. Seriously, you know what? Pay attention to stuff like this. It's all part of what goes on in life. Stuff like this is much more important than Facebook. Pay attention. That's all I'm saying. But it's not. It's not. It's got nothing to do with uh, Lost Girl. Because nah, that's where I'm going next. <laughs> That's the worst segue I've done. I just got that back. was a pretty ter yeah. Just skip the segue and it go was for the lost worst girl. Go. I've done this year. How's that? <laughs> There's time to best it. <laughs> yeah, like eleven months. Yeah, I know. Uh, lost girl premiered this week in Canada and premieres <laughs> on Sci-Fi Sly-Fi Siffy next week. For those of you who saw the Canadian uh, broadcast of it, holy shit. That's all I'm saying. Don't miss the American uh, one if that's the only one that you can get. If you saw the Canadian version, let us know. As far as I'm concerned, 
that has got to be one of the most exciting shows, uh, science fiction shows around right now, because it's constantly pushing its own envelope. And son of a bitch, did this one do it? <laughs> See, and we were talking about it before the show started, and I said, oh yeah, we saw it. Totally, when it aired in Canada. I was thinking of season two. Oh. Um, <laughs> so now I'm doubly excited because Lost Girl is one of those shows that I absolutely, absolutely love. And I was sinking into a kind of a doldrums yeah. with things being off for the holidays. Yeah. So now I'm not even doubly, triply excited for season three. Oh, I, oh, I, oh. I did a pun. Is that a pun? <laughs> It's close it's, enough. It's, a, it's, it's enough of a palindrome to be able to pass. There we go. I'm waiting for that uh, episode of American Horror Story I have downstairs. Oh, me too. I don't know how they're going to get out of that one. I that don't know how they're going to get out of last week's musical number, because now I expect one in every show. And that's so that not happening. <laughs> David Lynch. I know you all know that I'm a David Lynch fanatic, but I'm seriously, if anybody has seen the last movie there is x and i fought very hard over there was a scene in in that last david lynch movie where suddenly there was this big musical production number and he was like what the hell and i'm like no seriously that but what came after it was really scary and that here they go you get that way it's like this one little scene for this song and then it gets back to something really really scary i think it, it it goes well, but absolutely, absolutely genius on Lynch's part to do it that way. And I will admit that during that scene, I had disturbing and confusing feelings about the young man who plays Kit. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was very, it was. I don't know how I feel about my feelings about him How right now of the doctor and our other nun there being dead i mean you know that that was ryan murphy can do what he wants with things like that i don't i don't blink for things like that it was i don't know weird and disturbing feelings <laughs> okay it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. It had something to do with the tank top, and I think that he was dancing more like he was gay, and somehow that made him really attractive. I don't even know. You don't have to explain the feelings. They are what they are, I told you they're weird and disturbing. Only to you. To everybody else, they're just weird. <laughs> like weird here, though. It's okay. Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. Just a little. Hey, our friends at Star Trek Renegades, who we had on like a month and a half ago, have a whole bunch of, of new information out and about for us, including the fact that for no apparent reason their Facebook page was taken down. And they couldn't get any reason for it. So uh, what we did was they put together a new Facebook page, and we're going to give you all the link to it so that you can go down there. <laughs> They're starting over on Facebook. For no apparent reason. Facebook has been giving us some problems too when I try they to put have. up. They absolutely have. So I don't know what their issue is. They're rebooting again or something. I don't know. I, I think they need to reshoot. Never mind. Uh, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> but uh, 
trying to find uh, and of course now oh here it is uh, the first draft of the script is now done They've for, what? for which Star one? Trek Renegades the oh, full, okay. Okay. the internet movie database page will be up very shortly and they're going to unveil in the next couple of weeks in the next week the brand new ship designs so oh, they've cool. got uh, they've got a lot of stuff going on and they're going to be posting on their web page uh, what is it a an interview with Tim Russ on oh. the set right after the trailer was shot in August so they got a lot going on it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun the more I'm seeing about this movie the more I am really really liking it and uh all good stuff, guys. All good stuff. We would like you on the show. Yes. Yes. Please. Jot that down. Note to self. That's right. Or Make it so. <laughs> <laughs> you have such an evil laugh right now. <laughs> I'm really tempted to just make you me. laugh for the rest of the show. <laughs> It's like if Lauren McCall was a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking well, of serial killers, of serial I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. Um, I was going somewhere though. Go to your No. It's probably weird and disturbing. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me see. Okay. How about we go to? Uh... How about we talk a little bit about because we all love Serenity. We do. Oh yeah. We do. Let's talk about science while Kriana's not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that means you can't go. Apparently, there's a, fan, there's a fan who's going out of his way to try to prove that it was impossible. Spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen the movies or the TV show or anyway. In the past 10 years. Yeah. If you're not a brown coat, get off. Um,. Apparently, a fan is trying to prove that Wash really didn't die in the movie because of centrifugal force and some other things, and that, I don't know, it's supposed to be some fantasy or something, I'm not quite sure, but that Wash really isn't dead, so those of us who love Wash can can go back to getting ready for him to play dinosaurs again. And... You know how I know Wash isn't dead? How? Because I watch him every week on Suburgatory. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Which he is amazing on. What a funny show. And it's, it's really a... It's the same character, only rich and smart. And smart. Oh, no, Wa Wash is pretty smart. You could argue that Wash is yeah, pretty smart. Wash isn't smart. You know, what I did notice, though, is that they've been showing the ads for the neighbors, and I haven't seen Doug on any of the commercials. Uh, Doug was only evidently in the first two or three episodes. He hasn't been on the rest of them. Oh, that's because he's up in Canada shooting something, isn't he? Shooting uh, Falling Skies. That's right. Yep. We oh, love oh. Uh, News, television news. Ooh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> two kind of ABC's things. Uh, ABC has now decided to fast track uh, Joss Whedon's Shield, which is extra cool. The, because they're not stupid. They're, because they're not Fox. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And uh, it, uh, we're going to post a link to an article 
which is an interview with the president of ABC, who waxes luxuriously about. Oh my! Can how we say that? <laughs> yeah, you asked. I, I, you know, I've got the video. Anyway. <laughs> ew! Ew! Here, there's a disturbing image for you: the president of ABC waxing luxuriously. Ew! Ew! <laughs> about how much. He, how much he really enjoys the whole shield thing and how how he's already uh, actually given it a green light I think for the entire first season uh, which is kind of cool I don't think that's ever happened to Joss ever it's new for Joss <laughs> and, and the other is uh, a Star Wars live action television series which is possibly heading to ABC as well uh, Will there be a Christmas special? <laughs> that would be the scariest thing in the world for the uh, Star Wars Christmas special. Uh, there already was one. It sucked. Oh, sorry. No, you're right. It absolutely was. <laughs> that was that was the joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been talked that Ron Moore is going to be involved in the show. And if that name sounds familiar, Ron Moore is the guy uh, who was the showrunner for Battlestar Galactica. Uh, was it going to be depressing? So it's going to be really <laughs> depressing, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So get out but speaking, speaking of Star Wars... Or speaking of depressing, go ahead. And depressing. Yeah. Uh-oh. So, episode seven? Yeah, the no. new set. The new one. Whichever so, the new one is. Yeah. I can't read Rus- Russian numerals. I am... Russian what numerals. What is wrong with me tonight? <laughs> but apparently the flu shot makes you weird. Um, oh, Zella was blaming it on. <laughs> yeah. The new Star Wars, um, Guillermo del Toro turned it down. So now not only has J.J. Abrams turned it down, so has Guillermo del Toro. And what I find funny about that is Guillermo del Toro never turns anything down. <laughs> like, he announces that he's going to do just about every single thing that comes out and then mysteriously is removed. So the fact that he's saying, I am not touching that. What's it tell you? What's that tell you? I still, boys and girls. I'm still pulling for Joss to do it. I think that Joss Whedon could do the franchise justice, unlike its creator. Wow. Uh, uh, well, because Joss Whedon... Uh, there's another one to add to the book who won't be coming on the show. <laughs> well, because Joss Whedon appreciates fans and is a fan and I think understands fans yep, a lot better than, than most a lot of directors yeah. and a lot of showrunners. So I think that he can do it. I don't think he will, because I don't think he's stupid, but I think he could. <laughs> I don't think Joss is stupid in any way, shape, or form. No. I don't think so either. So, uh... So, segue. If you're a science fiction author, uh, John Scalzi has something he'd like to talk to you about. Now, we're trying to get John on the show. And we if, are. If we do, I would like to talk to him about this. So, Scalzi, if you're listening, call us. We've called you. Call back. That's right. Uh, and I think this may be why he's not calling back, to be honest uh, with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scalzi's raising the alarm about a scam that appears to be targeting science fiction authors. Uh, uh, if science fiction authors are being invited to speak 
at Bexley College in the UK. Uh, first of all, there is no Bexley College. Uh. Second of all, you hand over all your personal information for the biography, and then you find that your bank accounts are being emptied. <laughs> oh, that is terrifying. There's a ring of inferno for that guy. Yeah, no shit. He's going uh, to the special hell. That's right. So, Scalzi, you know, join us. You know, come on and, and talk about it. Tell us all about how you got scammed on the internet. <laughs> oh, I'm boy. sure he wants to do that. Me too. I know that I would if I were him. It's, it's a growing concern. Maybe they should do an after-school special. <laughs> wow. We're really pulling tonight. I know. I know. <laughs> this there's, is enough snark in, there's enough snark in the room to take care of a flu shot. <laughs> I got something you can't snark. Okay. What? Name the movie where Tina Fey is going to play a Russian prison guard. Is it a Muppet movie? Oh, shit, you knew. <laughs> I mean, they just we got... have the show mo- notes in front of us, don't Oh, God. Muppet movie is... Okay, it's got nothing to do with science fiction, but it's the Muppets, goddammit. And the Muppets, the Muppets and the... are science fiction. Muppets are cool. I mean, the only Muppet who's an actual E.T. is Gonzo. This I love Gonzo. from outer space. So, therefore, it's science fiction. And Tina Fey is going to be playing a Russian in the new movie. A Russian prison guard. Now, there's there's a fantasy of mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> jar! Jar, 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 jar. You're coming no, 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 no. Sobrarian, they'll think no. we're about Star Wars. Stop it. <laughs> Dome needs to put... Two dollars in the creepy jar. Ah, uh, you guys are no one fun at all. One for ruining the Muppets and one for ruining Tina Fey. I've ruined neither. In fact, I've altered both of them quite novelly. <laughs> Although he's asked, but she said no. That's right, repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a buck for you, babe. <laughs> I, guys, I, I can't even right now. <laughs> Hey, are you still there? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kriana put a bunch of stuff into the doctor. I am still here. <laughs> and I am, I am okay. She need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we all do. I feel like I need an adult. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only adult in the room after listening to this conversation. <laughs> and that is truly frightening. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We've once again hit a new high and low. That's awesome. Oh, there we Guess go. what? We all get to stay up till 3 a.m., drink all our parents' booze, and eat all the cookies. You're the best babysitter ever. <laughs> and we get to watch movies with nudity and that are rated R. Perfect. <laughs> Christy, Christy, what is, what is Poe's birthday? Poe's birthday is January 19th. So it's next week. Awesome. Yeah, sadly, I will not be able to go to the big bash that they're having in Baltimore this year because, honestly, I'm still paying off a wedding, and that's always a very expensive weekend. So who did you pay off for that wedding? Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But anyone who's interested in going, um, you can Google it online because they don't have the website, but they are actually going to show 
um, an episode before it airs of the following with Kevin Bacon, where I guess it's a Poe style serial, serial killer. Are you serious? And they're going to show it, so I'm so upset I can't go, but... I'm so excited about the following. Yeah, me too. Now that I heard that, I'm like, oh, I think I'll check it out. But I am going to an Edgar Allan Poe pub crawl in Greenwich Village in New York, which is about an hour and a half from my house on that day instead. So, And if if you recite a Poe, it's 20 bucks to go, but if you recite a Poe poem, you get in for 10 Nice. So I'm like, sweet, I can do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've got seven. I got can seven I in my head. Does that mean I get in for free and I get free? There you go. <laughs> but apparently they're, they're going to go around to some sites in New York where Poe frequented. And um, and then I think me and my housemate are going to go see the new Poe. Well, not the new. It's been there forever. But they just cleaned it up and updated it and everything, the Poe House Museum in the Bronx. So hopefully that's going to be my way of celebrating the Poe this year. But Can I share a story? No, go ahead. It, it, it goes with the whole theme that we were just saying. So I think that I've told Christy this before, that when X and... Ex's brother and I went down to one of the comic conventions once. We were I was trying to show his brother the the Poe tour. You know, I took him over to the church and then we we're going down to his house, his residence that he was living in when he was in Baltimore. That still I don't know if I hope they haven't changed it yet, but at that point was still you could go through and the the lovely man who takes the caretaker who takes you through the whole house. And so when we first pulled up, we're trying to find it, but there's no huge sign or anything out front that says Edgar Allan Poe's house or what have you. So we stopped, and there was a gentleman who, I swear to you, was cleaning off his purple Corvette and had a very interestingly colored suit on and several young ladies around him. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And we actually got out and we said, could you direct us to the Poe house? And he was like, oh, yeah, it's right over there. You can park right here. Leave your car. It'll be safe. Of course, <laughs> my, my brother-in-law wasn't too sure about that, but everything was fine and it was lovely. And we had a very nice afternoon. So here we are, what, like six, seven years later. And X and I are watching the TV show The Wire. Yes, we know we're behind, but we're watching season three of The Wire right now. Very first episode of season three of The Wire. This guy starts telling a story about these two people who got out of a car and said, Hey, man, you know where the Poe house is? And I said, Take a look. They're all Poe around here. And I was like, Oh, my God, that's my story. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I have to tell you, the Poe House in Baltimore, not to get too far off track, because I know you guys want to get back to your news, but the Poe House in Baltimore was, you know, supposedly saved. They are going to be in conjunction with the B&O Railroad Museum down there, from what I understand. It did save? It did save it? it? Yes. And, And they're just working on reintegrating how they're going to do that. That was the last news that I heard. Um, As I said, the celebration is going on this year, which is always a wonderful thing if anyone has the opportunity to do that. Uh, But the Poe House was recently vandalized. 
No. Yes, it was. It was vandalized um, recently. I want to say, like, within the last month. Ugh. But it's not in a good area. It, I mean, oh, it's, it's down in an area of burned-out row houses. Yep. Um, it's a very bad area. Like, and there is no, pla- there's like a tiny little plaque. But the second that I heard it was vandalized, I was like, well, that's because it was probably that dark period for a couple of weeks when they weren't sure if it was going to unite with the B&O yep. Railroad Museum or not. And everybody figured, oh, it's abandoned. Nobody's there. And they went and clocked it. Uh, I was so upset that, in all fairness, I saw the headline. Lots of people posted it on my Facebook page. I didn't read it because I really didn't want to know. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to know. I know it was vandalized. I don't know to what extent. But anyone who wants to Google that, you can certainly get that information. I will find that, and I will put that on our, our Facebook page, guys. Uh, it was like within the last month or six weeks, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But I was not kidding about the purple Corvette and the three women washing it with the guy at the gold. I'm not surprised you're not kidding. No, I I know you're not kidding because I know that neighborhood very well, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that goes on down there. (laughs) Ready for a segue? Go for it. I don't have one. Um, But I have one more news item that directly relates to our guest. Oh. Yay! Ooh, Um, I'm ready. Yeah, so I have been informed of the very worst title for a horror movie (laughs) ever. (laughs) So it's horror, which is one link to our illustrious guest. And the other link is, the title is The Haunting in Connecticut 2, colon... Ghosts of Georgia. Georgia, I know. What? Because you can't call it The Haunting in Georgia or anything like that. It's got to be The Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. Because Connecticut and Georgia, if you don't know, if you're from, like, the West Coast or something, they're really close together. (laughs) Really, you could jump from one to another. And people have repeatedly. Oh, yeah, all the time. Hey, listen, I go when to Georgia to buy my cigarettes all the time. <laughs> yeah, when I was growing up in Connecticut, we were like, you know what, Connecticut's boring. Let's just go hang out in Georgia. Yeah. Right. It's, it's right over there. Let's just go. Oh, the, I mean, God. the clip that they had was, that they have released is actually, it actually looks really cool. Or, I mean, cool enough. And The Haunting in Connecticut was not a bad movie. It wasn't great, but it was entertaining. Well, I actually uh, know quite a bit ever. about the history of the real haunting in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, and they Yeah, and um, they did interesting the film, things and <laughs> I also can take a really good educated guess at why they called it the haunting in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia. Okay. And I can also tell you from looking at the trailer that just as they did with the big, with the you know Hollywood version of the haunting in Connecticut, which came out a few years ago. Right. right. They've completely warped the story, which is fine. Probably. Um, you know, it's Hollywood. What are you going to do? It's for entertainment. Exactly. But when that series, The Haunting, came out on the Discovery Channel, the original Haunting in Connecticut was, I believe, it was a two-hour episode. And the Discovery Channel bought 
all of the rights to Carmen Reed's story. Okay, that was oh, okay. okay, Nathan has yeah. interviewed her many times. He's had her on the Ghost Man and Demon Hunter show. She's sort of like around the paranormal community. She's a very sweet lady. She sold all the rights to the Discovery Channel, or somebody did. So when these people in Hollywood wanted to make this film called A Haunting in Connecticut, they could not have the rights. So they literally had to bastardize the story and change it all up in order to be able to use any even modicum of the story as a framework. Uh-huh. Because it was originally a two-hour documentary on the Discovery Channel. The second installment of that, quote, Discovery Channel test run of its series, because this was before it actually became just a one-hour series on the Discovery Channel. So I would call it the secondary pilot was The Haunting in Georgia, or A Haunting in Georgia. That was also a two-hour film. I'm guessing that what happened with this is that Discovery also bought all the rights to that story. Now, this is just totally an educated guess, and I'm just going on from what I know. I could be totally wrong, but I'm guessing that that's what they did. So, therefore, they could not call it a haunting, a haunting in Georgia. In Connecticut. Oh, yeah. No, they they probably, been. well, because the, the way that movie rights work, I guess people buy contracts for things for a certain number of years. Yep. So it could be that the contract on the Haunting in Connecticut title might have run out enough so they could use it. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm completely blindly guessing. But the second I saw that trailer for the, the Ghost in Georgia thing, I went, oh, my God, I bet they couldn't get the rights. And I bet, like, th what I'm telling you now is exactly what went through my head when I saw that trailer. And I would bet that they probably could not get the rights to a Haunting in Georgia or either that or somebody's trying to do smart marketing and make a franchise which essentially is what happened with the discovery channel because then after the success of those two two-hour long documentaries they of course made the very popular series a haunting which is a fantastic series and if anybody loves ghost stories and loves ghost story documentaries with reenactments i highly recommend it go online buy the entire series you can get it for you know cheap on amazon there's enough copies used but fantastic stuff and still to this day I watch them over and over again like I'll put them on in the background when I'm cleaning and I'm still freaked out by them they're just they're wonderful <laughs> but anyway I'll shut up now that was no that's just... probably a good guess Christy well we're and when Nathan and I went to see The Haunting in Connecticut in the theater the movie uh, like he was squirming because he knows the whole story and he worked under John Zappis who was the guy in that one who ran away uh huh yes well, not in the Hollywood film, but if you saw the documentary, he basically right. ran away. He saw, and, and that of course, apparently is true. He did just run away, um, which everybody laughs about. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, Nathan was like cringing because he's like, this is so not the story. Like the whole thing with the eyelids. And I mean, it was just ridiculous. We had a good time, but we went with a couple friends who wanted to specifically go with Nathan so that we could go out afterward and talk about the real case. And um, Nathan was just like, oh, my God, I, I almost didn't make it through it because it was just so Hollywood I couldn't uh, even do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Which brings us to the past the halfway point of the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
No, no that was no. a good story. Good stuff. Good story. We're good with that. See, and I just was like, aha, silly name. But you actually <laughs> had something interesting to say about yeah, it. We were just going to blow it off with this silly name gag, and then, but no, there's actually a story there. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Like I said, I don't know if that's the truth, but that is my guess. It's one of those two things. It's got to be. If we'll it's not the truth, on. it's still a cool story. If we'll it's not the truth, somebody come out. and tell us you can come on this that's show right. and talk about it. Prove us wrong, damn you. That's right. No, you can't, you won't. So there. No, we should have Christy back on after it comes out and she can tell us if it's the yeah. story she thought it was. You can do that. Oh, we could. We can have Christy expert. on whenever she wants to come on. Well, come back I, love, I always love coming on this show. <laughs> it's always we so love much having fun. you. <laughs> so let's talk about this week's Facebook poll. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten what we said last week because <laughs> I was off medication. Uh-huh. And I noticed that. We all, all the time. Uh-huh. So I ended up thinking, well, what can we use? Well, Somebody started talking about how many different Lincolns have showed up on science fiction shows. So I thought we'd have a poll saying who were who was uh, our fans' favorite sci-fi Lincoln or portrayal of sci-fi Lincoln. So we had a tie for third place between the movie Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. And that was tied with... Abe Lincoln in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I love hadn't, him. If I hadn't had trouble voting, um, Bill and Ted would have pulled ahead and won. I told you because I tried to, I tried to vote today and I had trouble. Facebook yeah, was and my problem was that the one I tried to add to it and it wouldn't let me add, which was Lancelot Link's secret chimp. Was there a Lincoln? Lancelot Link. I oh, I didn't know he was supposed to be Lincoln. He's not. It was just oh. that's a lot Lincoln. Oh. And I, I've been trying to add him all week, and it wouldn't let me do it. Damn you, like Facebook. Said, Facebook has been a bitch this week. So this week, uh, <laughs> co- yeah. Coming in at number two has been the passerby who was Lincoln in that Twilight Zone episode yes. where Lincoln showed up. It was awesome. And number one was Young Lincoln in Clone High. <laughs> For no apparent reason, evidently. <laughs> Apparently Clone High was a very popular movie, Dome. Uh, I'm not sure how that's even possible, but that's okay. <laughs> I've seen it. Well, I've seen it, but it doesn't make it popular. I can't. What? I mean, I've seen Emmanuel in Bangkok, but that doesn't make it popular. <laughs> oh, now, Dome, we already put Creepy Jar on the shelf. <laughs> Which brings us back to... Christy. Christy. <laughs> so anyhow, Christy Peterson's Schoonover has been on the show a couple of times and, and is our sweetheart. We love you. I love you guys. And when... Your first book, uh, when I got hold of your first book, uh, uh, Creepy Disney Tales of, of Creepy Stuff in Disney World. Tales Which is totally the accurate title. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Creepy stories in Disney World works. <laughs> and I was I was struck by the Skeletons fact... in the swimming hole. Is... Yeah, I know. It's got such an awesome title. We can't let him get away with oh, that. Come on. 
creepy Disney stuff. Film at 11. <laughs> Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, is, it was the title of the movie, movie of the book. I, I was struck most by you pretending this to be a horror book or horror short stories, and it was ever so much more. And and each each story was a standalone study in what nobody thinks horror is, but could very well be. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. So when it came time for your your next book to come out, which was uh, Bad Apple, uh, it was uh, so. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And Zombrarian and I kind of fought over who was going to read it first and who was going to write the review. We did literally. <laughs> we stood there arguing about it on the floor at a con. Both of us <laughs> saying, no, I want to do it. <laughs> and so we decided that we were going to write a joint review, and I think it's the first time we've ever actually done that. Yeah. Well, because we thought we were going to disagree more than we did. I don't think we disagreed think. one damn bit. No, we bit. didn't. We didn't disagree at all, but we thought that we were going to have yeah. more... Bones discussion and contention between us. Yeah, we thought we were going to have disparate opinions because I'm a big fan of horror. And I don't like horror at and all. And doesn't like it at all. I mean, which is odd that I've, you know, hooked up with your group. Uh, <laughs> think to come of it. You know, and, and I'm not a fan of horror fiction. But I, I am a fan of, of uh, geniusly writing. parsed writing. And my God, uh, this book is, is by far uh, miles above your last book, number one. Thank you. And uh, not that I'm blowing smoke up your, up your skirt, because you know I'm not. Because we've talked about other writers and other stuff, and, and you've heard me be brutally honest, because that's what I tend to do and and that's why we have the creepy jar but (laughs) (laughs) but you created a situation a a series of events in this book that uh, are heart wrenching and you did it for a reason can can we talk a little bit about the caregivers and, and that kind of thing yeah, we sure can. Um, I guess the first place to start would be where this book came from. Yeah, um, Yeah, I was up at a writer's retreat. I'll keep it brief. I no, was take up at a writer's time. retreat in Maine in 2005 with uh, some other very fine writers, A.J. O'Connell, uh, Nanette Morges, she's Nanette Blake now, Tamela Ritter, who has a novel coming out in March. She's a wonderful writer. Jill Bodash, um, you know, a a bunch of people. And we all decided that for Labor Day we were going to go up to this place in the middle of Maine. And it was one of these big, creepy old farmhouses that was beautiful, like in the middle of nowhere that you could rent and you could make your own food and whatever. And um, That sounds just like being in a house, but no, go on. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. But everybody had their own room. Nice. I mean, it was beautiful there. I mean, just sprawling fields and gorgeous decks every place and, you know, sitting out under the trees and and everything. And um, 
that year, it was 2005, we went up there, it was Labor Day weekend, and I don't know what happened. We, we were just, I guess, you know, of course there's partying, but there's private writing time when you go on those retreats. And you're all like, okay, we're going to go in our rooms or go wherever we're going to go for three hours and write. And then, it, you know, we'll write from one to four. At four o'clock, we all meet back here and have a drink and talk about what we worked on or whatever. So I was up in my room, and I had brought an extremely old typewriters. I used to collect typewriters. I say used to because I have only one left because I really got to the point where I was like, I really cannot dust and keep 17 million antique typewriters <laughs> in my house. And I, so whenever I would go on these writing retreats, I would take one of these ancient typewriters with me. And this one was a Royal. Um, it was out of the early sixties and it was in beautiful shape and it was just such a beautiful color. It was like an olive color. Oh my God. I had one of those. Yeah. Serious. Beautiful. And the buttons were just beautiful and it was great to type on. And, um, it was one of those ones that came in the case, you know, you opened it up and whatever. So I pulled out my onion skin, and everybody had been drinking and partying, and of course I had been drinking and partying since we got there and hadn't written a freaking word. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to go up now because now I've been sentenced to five hours of writing until our next break. I'm going to go up and do something. And I'm sitting there with this typewriter, and all of a sudden I just start writing actually the first paragraph of bad apple is exactly the way it came out that day it has not been changed and at the end of four hours i had 30 pages and i single spaced on this old typewriter i had no idea where the story was coming from i just knew that it was coming out and all of a sudden i was like okay i'm just going to keep riding this i don't know where it goes i don't know what it's going to do i'm just going to let it talk cuz obviously this is something that i need to do for whatever reason so i wrote the whole thing i finished it uh we came back from the retreat i think on like september 5th i think on september 9th i finished the draft i just banged through the entire like 75,000 words or whatever it was just wrote the entire book and then I put it on audio and distributed it to a bunch of my friends who weren't necessarily readers. They were writers. You've got to remember, this is 2005. The world was very different. There wasn't <laughs> Facebook. There wasn't – not everybody was even on email in 2005. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. Um, we used to uh, – and you know, so I did that. And then I would edit it and edit it and edit it and edit it. And, uh, and then finally in like 2007, I just said, you know what? I'm sick of looking at this book. I'm throwing it in a drawer. And then my father died in 2008, and so it stayed in the drawer. So then in 2010, my friend Nanette, who was on that retreat with me, now works for this publishing house, Vagabondage Press, and she calls me up and she says, do you still have that fantastic book that you wrote? And I was just like, um, to my knowledge, I've never written a fantastic book, so what the hell are you talking about? And she goes, you know, that thing about the girl, and, you know, her mother, like, falls down the well, but really she killed her, we know that, and blah, 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 you know. And I'm like, oh, you mean bad apple, bad thing? She's like, yeah. She goes, send it. Send it. She goes, I can't guarantee it'll get picked up, but just send it, because there's an editorial board and everything. Just send it. I was like, okay. So I pulled it out. 
And I was like, all right, I'll just send it. What the hell? You know, it's been laying in a drawer. I haven't done it. I never planned on doing anything with it. It was just going to lay there. But I didn't quite know why. So then two years go by, Nanette and I spend all these phone conversations, and I go up to her house or whatever. We're working on this book. We're getting it all polished and everything. Um, it ends up coming out a year later than it was supposed to because of various different reasons. Because then we weren't happy with it, and then I had to rewrite something else and whatever, and I was just like, fine. So it came out a year later, and which was September of 12. And then all of a sudden, about a month after, no, two weeks after it comes out, I'm online and I'm Googling around. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was at work, and I was just like, oh, let me go on CNN and read some crap because I don't, I'm not doing anything right now. So I go on CNN, and there's this whole thing, an article, and it says, caregiving youth give up their lives to help others or something to that effect. <laughs> and all of a sudden I went, oh, my God. Here's your story. I was a caregiving youth. So I click on it, and I read this, and it's all about this American Association of Caregiving Youth where apparently, you know, teenagers, basically the situation where I was in when I grew up, where I had to take care of my mother and the kids, and then my dad got sick and the whole thing. And my life really never went where I had envisioned it to go because of all of that. Sure. And that was the focus of this article, that these kids don't get the opportunities, that these kids have to struggle, that they a lot of times drop out of school, that they don't finish high school. And then I realized that I was very lucky because I did finish high school with great grades. I eventually went back to college. I eventually did what I wanted to do. Um, and all of a sudden, I recognized myself. And then I recognized it in Bad Apple. And I went, holy crap, that book I wrote was a metaphor for everything I went through when I was a kid. And that oh. was my body's way of getting rid of it. And that's why it flew out of me in nine days. And went in a drawer, and I never said, hey, here's this novel. I'm going to go try to find somebody for it. Because it was essentially a private dialogue with myself. There you go. So. I'm sorry, that gets, was long-winded, but. You're fine. No, no, no. So the book gets published. Yep. And you have a, a, uh, a deal with the... Uh, Child Caregivers of America, or this this group, and, right. and well, go on. I sent her an email. Yeah, I contacted her, and I basically told her the entire story, but a little bit longer, raw <laughs> and unedited. And okay. I just said I was so angry at my dad. I was just like all this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been in and out of therapy a lot over the years. I believe that everyone should go to therapy at least once or twice, especially if you're having a tough time, because therapy is not fixing your head by some doctor telling you what to do. It's fixing your head because you hear yourself talk and you figure things out. That's right. That's why we all talk to our friends when we're upset, because when we're talking to our friends, we're hearing ourselves talk and we're figuring it out. So that's really all therapy is. The only difference is you're paying somebody that doesn't know you so that your friends don't go, oh, my God, you're a lunatic. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So. <laughs> Which they're or, really or not start, your friends if they're thinking that. Or start the next sentence with, well, you think that was bad. Let me tell you about my week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exa yes, exactly. 
So anyway, all of this stuff comes pouring out, and I just said, I am going to donate 50% of my royalty checks and $3 from every copy that I hand sell. Um, at the end, in at the end of the year, I just sold, sent them a check for one hundred and sixty-eight dollars. Yeah. Plus, I collected a few extra donations, which here in the Northeast, I was very happy about because we had Hurricane Sandy, and then especially that thing that happened in Newtown over here. Yes. Yeah. You know, which is fifteen minutes from my house. So, you know, I had friends that were affected by both. Yeah. Um, and I was very happy to do that, and every little bit counts, and I'm waiting for my royalty check from my publisher for hopefully it'll come by the end of January, then I can send them half of that. So I just basically told them that's what I'm going to do for the rest of the time the book's in print, and it's just my way of hopefully helping some kid that I'll never know that I helped, but somebody that, you know, there was no help when we were kids. No, there was You have to remember, there. well, actually, there were four in my family. I was the oldest. There's three after me. And they're all damaged in various different ways, too. I mean, I wasn't the only one who had to carry this whole burden. That All four of us had to do it So, um, in various different ways. So I guess it's, I just keep thinking, you know, would my life have been different? Even if I'd still had to go through what I went through because my mother had awful cancer for eight years and then my dad got sick and whatever, that doesn't really matter. The bottom line is if I had had somewhere to go or, or some kind of support group to, or something, right. would my life have been different? Now, you know, Christy, that this brings up an interesting point because you just kind of revealed some stuff about your own personal life that I never knew. Uh, because some of the things that I'm now hearing you talk about were also thematic in Skeletons in the Swimming Hole. Yes, they were. Yep, there's that story about the mother who had her and the girl. Right. Yep, that was totally out of my own life, too. But I wrote that story much later than Bad Apple. So obviously there was still internally processing. I, was, I'm, I think I'll never be done internally processing that. That, that whole know, thing with the girl and the sick mother, that comes up all the time in my writing, all the but, time. But here, here's the interesting thing. That, that one story from Skelton's is uh, dynamic. It's one that really stood out for me uh, in the same way that Bad Apple stands out in that way. And I, I'm guessing... I'm guessing that a lot of great writers are basically processing. Yes. Oh, sure. And, uh, and many of them have talked about that. You don't. You don't ever want to get cured, honey. Because <laughs> well, you got some great you. books inside you. You've no, thank great, you. Great, great. No, and I'd have to agree with that because my New Year's. I have goals for the New Year's, not resolutions. I have goals and resolutions. I have two different things. My goals I'm not going to talk about because that's just stuff nobody wants to hear. But my resolution, which might interest you this year, was I pulled out all six seasons of The Twilight Zone on DVD. (laughs) And I am watching all of them in order with all the supplemental materials, all the commentaries and everything. Oh, wow. Yep. And last night, my housemate and I uh, had a few martinis and we sat because Nathan was at work. And we sat in our living room, and we watched a very rare 
the original Twilight Zone pilot, which is very rare. It act- it actually aired as part of the Desilu Westinghouse That's right. Playhouse Hour. Right, right. Called right. the Time Element. And as you watch all these episodes of the Twilight Zone, you see that Rod Serling has many themes that he uses over and over. Yes. But what I found really interesting was that one of the themes that he brings up all the time is mortality. And in the commentary that is provided for this pilot, the time element, it's by um, a guy, God, I can't remember his last name. It starts with a Z, but he is like God. Oh, Scott Zickery. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, he used to work Charles in the magazine, has his book, too. and yeah, we're real Twilight Zone freaks in this house. Although I have to admit, I've never seen the entire series. So Charles was like, this is your New Year's resolution. You're watching everything. And I was like, okay, fine. So, but I'm loving it. This guy said, Mark said, Mark Zippery said, or Zickery, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Z-I-C-R-E. C-R-E, yep. Said that Sterling had been in, I guess, World War II, had faced death in, you know, had looked death in the eye. And so I guess there was a moment where he was standing in the jungle facing his own death, this guy with a gun, and a soldier behind him that he didn't know was there came up and basically killed the guy before the guy had a chance to kill him. And he said that this is why you constantly see, this was his analysis anyway, this theme of mortality, which is one of many in the Twilight Zone, because Zickery is convinced that this, a lot of this was, you know, Serling trying to process this one experience. And some of his episodes that are the best ones deal with mortality. Well, I mean, Chris- think about Elegy. That's a great one. Yeah. And and that and that's a very popular. Well, I guess it's less popular, but I really love it. It really made an impression on me. You know, of course, he's got other themes running through there, like be careful what you wish for, and uh, justice <laughs> is a big one, and beauty is a big one, and all that. But, but anyway, and to serve man, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. But I digress. But yes, I would agree with you. I think but, that's a theme. Well, before before back. we wrap, I, I need to share with you what what my New Year's resolution is. Please do. And, and that is that uh, the the book project that I discussed with a very prominent horror writer happens this year. Oh, excellent. So, uh, yeah, keep that in mind, sweetheart. <laughs> I definitely I to, will. I just wanted to get real quick before we wrap, too. Christy, don't you think, though, the nature of horror, some of the most intense horror... This is what I think is the problem with so many horror movies, especially those that come out of Hollywood, is that they rely too much on the fake scare, on the things that they make us jump. The camera they trick. terrify us. Yeah. One of the people who terrifies me when I watch his movies are David Lynch, because I really think David Lynch gets, in, for some reason, his stuff gets into my absolute innermost psyche. Mm-hmm. And things that other people are like almost laughing at in the theater, I am completely and utterly terrified. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would have to agree. I think that the nature of horror, which is why I'm not a big fan of a lot of slasher films, I'm just not. I'm not a big fan of stuff that's real blatant. The stuff that really scares each of us is the stuff that 
the or the art that speaks to whatever's going on within ourselves. The darkness yeah. inside you, yeah. The darkness right. inside you. It's like I hate to bring up the Twilight Zone again, but just last night I was watching nerve that episode, Nervous Man in a Four Dollar Room. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, the man's enemy in the is himself. Self, right. right. In the mirror. And that is I think that is really what makes something scary. If I mean I just wrote a piece that I submitted it came out in one day. I wrote a piece, I submitted it to an anthology which I'm very kind of happy about. But I'm a little bit scared of whether or not it's going to be I have no question that it's good. And I'm not being vain when I say that. I just know that certain pieces I write, they come out almost whole. They need very little work like that Apple did. And I was like, okay, that's a good piece of work. But the whole thing is really about processing the Newtown shooting. The subject matter right now, not so great. Right. You know, but that I, when I was done with the story, I finally stopped having nightmares about that. There you go. Because that was my body coming out and saying, you need to get rid of this. Yeah. And it came out in this fictional story about, you know, this whole fictional thing in this fictional world. It was all a big metaphor, really. But that's how it came out. So, The writer is the amazing Christy Peterson, Schoonover. The book is the incredible Bad Apple. Christy, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us again. Oh, thank you for having me back. I'm always surprised. You're like, you want to come on? I'm like, really? All I do is talk. Oh, hell, honey, you've got an open invitation. We Anytime love you, Christy. You so tell us what's going, what, uh, what we need to know here, Dead Redhead. Okay, what we need to know is Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, and of ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD Hold the Folk on RobWattsOnline.com. Dope? Wow, it's really nice having Lauren Bacall do the outro for us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Christy for joining us tonight. The book, Bad Apple, pick it up. It's an incredible, incredible piece of work. I want to thank our usual suspects, or as many of us as were healthily available tonight, from the Revere Time Vortex, sitting in for Kriana, it's Zombrarian. Thank you, Dolly. You did a terrific job. I'm going back to the dark and quiet now. <laughs> from the Forkle of Alt of Comics, great thanks to the dead redhead and Lauren Bacall, who's sitting next to her. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what we sound like next week. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone.